Good morning, you guys. Welcome to the Summit. I'm Brian Agavino, the lead pastor here. It is great to be with you. We had a membership class, our first membership class this morning. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I think there were about 15, 16 people in there. Just need to celebrate um, yeah, new folks and new people who are here. Hey, let me pray for us and our time this morning, and, and then we'll dive in. Father, we open this time to you to come uh, speak through your word. Father, you, as, we, as you have spoken already through song and to us through your spirit, we invite you now the way that you have chosen to communicate to us through your word. And Father, our prayer today is that we truly would change, that even here this morning, that because of Jesus and how he welcomes the unlovely and gives the undeserving love, might that stir in us a longing to live differently. And we pray that together in Jesus' name. Amen. So, question for you this morning. Do you know what a pentatonic scale is? Have you ever heard of that phrase before? It is five notes. The sixth note is the octave. And it's almost in thirds. It goes like this. This is the pentatonic scale. One more time. This is the pentatonic scale. This is an F, actually, in case you're wondering, for those of you who are musical. Five notes. A normal scale is like that. This is the pentatonic scale. The pentatonic scale, pastors say this over the top sometimes, changed my life. Literally changed my life. I started taking piano lessons when I was seven, and did not learn what the pentatonic scale was until I was 15. Eight years of normal scales, eight years of minuets, eight years of recitals, eight years of drudgery. (laughs) And when I learned the pentatonic scale at the age of 15, it changed everything for me. More on that later. This morning we're in a series, we're continuing in a series called Gentle and Lowly. Uh, we invited you to have a book and join us in reading in a book. If you, if you haven't gotten one, we ran out actually last week, which is awesome. And so we have more. If you didn't get a copy, please grab a copy on your way out today. Some of us are reading a chapter a day, some of us a chapter a week, some groups are going through it. Love for you to grab a copy and join us. And the book is based on this passage, which is really what we're preaching out of each week, that comes from Matthew chapter 11. And what, what this is, is it's an invitation from Jesus to come and follow him. And we're asking this question, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And we talked about in week one, because of Jesus' gentleness, the one way in this passage he describes his heart is that he's gentle and lowly. He invites us to come follow him because of that. And then last week, we talked about what that means is a centering, that we're, we really allow ourselves to center our lives on him. And, and this morning, we're going to, in some ways, get pretty practical. But let me read for us our passage again. Jesus said, so join me in this. Let's just take a deep breath. Everyone take a deep breath. And hear the words of Jesus this morning. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle 
and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know about you, but sometimes, for me, to be transparent, the lifestyle of a Christian, it can feel opposite of that. It can feel sometimes like a heavy yoke. I wonder how many of you started a Bible reading plan this year, and here we are in week three. They say that week three is when most people break their New Year's resolutions. So I'm not going to ask for hands to see how many of you broke down in your Bible reading plans this week, but I would venture to say many of us. I did. I, I got three days behind this week. I'm like, oh, I'm just like everybody else. And what happens in that all of a sudden is these New Year's resolutions, these, these things that we set in our lives about following Jesus, these things that we want to do, that we want to be different, it's like all of a sudden they become this heavy yoke that is counterintuitive to what Jesus is saying here. That there's something about practicing prayer, going to church, slowing down, having the lifestyle of Jesus that can feel heavy. Does it to you? What does Jesus offer in this verse? He says it a couple times. He says rest. It literally means relief or being physically refreshed. You know who can help us understand this word the best, I think? Teenagers. I think teenagers can. I've had three of them. One is still a teenager. And what I am amazed by teenagers is how they can sleep. Do you guys know this? Right? Think, if you don't, then think back to when you were a teenager and how much teenagers just love to sleep. And they don't just love sleep. They can sleep. And here's what I've learned about being old. Sleep is hard. You, like, you need like extra pillows to make you comfortable. Sometimes you need medicine. Sometimes you, you get hot, then you get... Are you guys old people? Are you with me? Yes. Right? Thank you. And then I watch my 16-year-old daughter who can, like, get in bed and be there for, like, 14 hours, and she's just in, like, heaven. You know, she's like, yes. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could have rest like that. So for me, in a, in a, in a, in a funny way, but in a really practical way, teenagers, I mean, think about a teenager, if you would, and their sleep, that, that joy of deep sleep, no pain, everything as it should be, refreshment for their souls, and relief. And what Jesus is saying is, wouldn't you like that not just for your body, but for your soul? Think about that. Rest for your soul. Relief and refreshment. Jesus says, come to me, learn from me, and you will have rest. Rest like teenagers experience, but rest for your souls. So how can we have that life? Last week I introduced an idea that I really like. John Mark Comer, pastor and writer in Portland, he said this, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. 
And today I really want to focus on that second part there, the lifestyle of Jesus. Now, it's really important as we unpack this, and I want to talk this just for a couple minutes here about the tension of this idea, because we have to remember that although Jesus was fully God in this incredible thing that was hard for us to understand, that he was fully God and fully man, because he was fully human, he needed to come to the Father to find rest for his soul, humanly speaking. And although he is so much more than an example to us, and I don't want to ever preach a sermon that says, do what Jesus did, that I, don't, I, I think that, that can be dangerous in our thinking. He's so much more than an example. He did leave for us in an example of what it means to come and learn. His life, death, burial, and resurrection, they not only provide the way to an eternal relationship with the Father, but they provide the way to a daily relationship and rest with the Father. And that abundant, restful life is something we should experience now. And so Jesus says, I want you to come. Come and learn from the ways I went to the Father. And he reassures us over and over that he's a gentle and lowly teacher. Come, it's safe here. Come, come and learn from me. Because I want you to have a life that's full of rest. Rest for your souls. But, but it's going to mean that there's some things in your life, some patterns, some, some pathways that I want to invite you to. But I'm going to show you those. I'm going to have shown you what that looks like in your life. And, and that's what Jesus is, where we're going to be today, that if we want to experience the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And, and can we just call out the tension here that's important for us to call out? And, and it should be a tension that we all wrestle with when it comes to Christianity. In, in fact, I think it's one of the most complicated things about Christianity, and it's this idea of motivation. What is our heart motivation for doing things? There's a principle that, that we, we all have to agree on, and the principle is this, that there are really two ways that you can live in life. You can live for the heart of Christ, or you can live from the heart of Christ. To live for the heart of Christ means you're always performing, you're trying, you're struggling, you're earning, you're, you're doing what, you're performing, whatever it is to try and gain what it is that Christ offers, or there's a completely different way of living that says, I've already been given everything that I could possibly imagine from Christ. And because I have all of that, I live from that. That I, I know I'm loved, I'm cared for, there's no more I could do to perform, no more that I could do to be accepted, no more that I couldn't do to be loved. And I have all of that, and because I have all of that already, I live from that. And it really helps us live in this life as instead of trying to live in a dutiful life, trying to earn from God, we, we live this abundant life of devotion where we're saying, because I have all of this and I've centered my life on that, I'm going to live differently. And so then, here's where the tension is. We say, now there are some things that could help you live from the path from the life that you have in Christ. And when we start talking about these things, you know what we do so fast? 
is we make them duty. <laughs> and this is why Christianity, I mean I, I mean, I love Jesus. This is why I stand here before you guys. But this is the tension that's hard for us. That, that, that what really is the motivation for us for doing these things, for following Jesus, for coming to church, for reading the Bible, for prayer, for all these things? What's our motivation for that? Well, it should be from Jesus. But it's so easy for us to be, well, I'm just doing it because Brian told me I'm supposed to. I mean, let's, let's go back to piano just for a second, can we? You see, this was part of my problem. I was doing all the right things when it came to practicing piano. I was practicing the scales. I was playing the minuets. I was working hard on arpeggios. And for me, it was a heavy yoke. I was doing all the right things, and it, 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 I didn't like it. It, it, just, it, was, it was a burden to me, and, and I had to do it. And because you can do the right things, if it's for the wrong reasons, it won't be restful. And so we have to start this whole sermon by saying, hear me where I'm headed, that we have to start with all that we have in Christ before we start to talk about what this life of living looks like. So, does that mean we should wait to do the right things to follow the life of Jesus? This is like this tension, right? Well, you know, Brian, I was going to give an offering, but I don't feel like my heart's in the right place yet, so I'm just going to hold off on tithing for the rest of my life until I get my heart in the right place. It doesn't really make sense to go there, does it? And so this is my proposition for you. It's practicing the lifestyle of Jesus that will make the beauty of the life of Jesus for us more of a reality. That there is a practice, there's a pathway, there's, there are things that we need in our lives that as we foster, as we make them habits, if you will, as we make them practices in our lives, what it's going to do is it's going to pour fuel and fire on what it is that we have in Christ already. And what we need to do is learn from the lifestyle of Jesus to help us live that way more. So, again, how do we struggle with this tension? We have to saturate ourselves in the reality of who we are in Christ. Dane Ortland, who wrote the book Gentle and Lowly, he, start, he has this great sentence. I think it's in the fourth chapter. I love it. He says, Jesus wants us to draw strength from his love. But the only ones qualified to do that are sinners in need of undeserved love. That's, that's foundational to living from. What does it mean that we're living from? It means we're undeserved. Who is a part of the family of Christ? Undeserving people. How do you know you're a part of Jesus' family? You don't belong. That's how you know. And when we come to that place, that's when we can start to live from the, what we have in Christ and start to live the lifestyle of Christ. So I would argue this morning there are three needed pathways to help us now to live from, into, and experience the lifestyle that Jesus wants us and invites us to come and learn from him to have. So three pathways, devotion, creativity, and practice. Devotion, creativity, and practice. What do we need? Well, first, we need devotion and not duty. 
again, Dallas Willard, he wrote a great book on the um, Sermon on the Mount, and it's called The Divine Conspiracy. He says this, the general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time not commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it a reality. Now, that's a pretty heavy-duty concept. What he's saying is actually incredibly simple. We know we want something, but we won't take action to do what is needed to encounter it. So Dane Ortland again, in the Gentle and Lowly book, he has a metaphor that I think helps us here, and he talks about the, the metaphor of a postcard. So we don't really send postcards anymore, but I'm a beach guy, we know this. If anything, this would be a great week to go to the beach. And so imagine that I went to the beach this week and I sent you this postcard. Now, what would happen if I sent you this postcard? Well, you, you might be mad at me for a minute. You might be like, he's just trying to rub it in. He's there and I'm not. But, but I would argue that really the true intent of a postcard is to do what? It's to make you want to go there. It's to make you go, oh, man, yeah, that palm tree is nice. That water, crystal clear blue, I want to go there. I, I, want, I want that. I want to be in that place. Now, Let's go back to Dallas Willard's quote. What do you got to do to get there? Well, you might have to save some money. You might have to plan a trip. You might have to check in with your spouse because they might want to go too. You know, like, I, there's just a lot of things here that you got to consider if, if this is what you're going to do, right? And so, so you, you, it, it's, if all you do is have a picture of where you're going and don't ever go to encounter the right, the real thing, we're missing out on the whole point. And friends, I would say so many Christians live with just the postcard of the Christian life. Rest for our souls. Deep rest for our souls. A yoke that is not heavy and not burdensome. But we look at the postcard and we go, yeah, that's good. But the lifestyle that it would be to have to encounter that life, nah, that's just, that's just for other people or for pastors or for somebody else. So many Christians are just satisfied with the, past, the postcard and we never have the reality of that life that could be ours. And part of the reason for that is it takes devotion. It, it takes saying to Jesus, when Jesus says, come and follow me, what, come and learn from me, what is he saying? He's saying, I'm, I'm the teacher. You have to come and say, okay, the, the life that you have is the, the life that I want to experience. And we would then pattern, arrange, build our lives around what Jesus invites us to. Again, why? Because of what we have in Christ. Not for something, but we're looking at all that we've been given in Christ and we say, wow, if this is where rest and life is found, then I want to have the life that Jesus invites me to, and it means learning from his lifestyle. If you look at 
Luke chapter 6, verses 39 and 40. In the parallel account of the Sermon on the Mount in Luke, he says this. He tells this parable, Jesus does, and he says, Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. And Jesus here, what he's doing is he's inviting us into this following, this engaging, this encountering of him where he's saying, look, all these things I've given you, they're already yours. And to make them more reality in your life, the beauty of, of you really coming to comprehend and experience the rest that's already yours is you're going to have to say, okay, I'm going to take, I'm going to devote myself to learning from the teacher because I'm not above my teacher. And so I need to look at his life and be devoted to and engaging with the life that he lived. The call is to follow Jesus, to devote ourselves to his way of life. But if it becomes duty, that's when it's dangerous. That's when most likely what's happening in moments like that is we're living for of it instead of from it. And this is why engaging with you on this topic can be actually quite hard. In fact, it, it, what's interesting about this for me is in, in some ways the piano metaphor fails a little bit because piano, it's something that you do and practice that you can get good at. A relationship is incre incredibly complicated. It's incredibly complicated to talk about, like, am I really motivated to love God for the right reasons? And, and to say, let's all, let's all love God for the right reasons, you guys. And we're like, yeah, what does that look like? Well, it's complicated. It, 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 is, it is one of these things where we need to wrestle with each other and learn. Why? Because we're, we're messed up people. And that's why Jesus said, I'm just going to do it all for you now. Because you can't figure it out. So I'm going to give you acceptance. I'm going to give you holiness. I'm going to give you righteousness. I'm going to just going to pour all these amazing things into your lives that you don't deserve. So you can just live from it. And it won't ever feel like it's something you have to do. You already know you have everything. And because you have the greatest things that your heart longs for, you'll just say, yeah, I want, to, I want the lifestyle that's going to help those just flourish in me more deeply. I mean, can you imagine if I took Dondra, my wife, out on a Friday night and said, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to, right? I mean, that just is going to, I mean, has anyone ever been on a date like that? Please do not raise your hands if you have. Please. There has to be, in order for us to encounter this life, to live from it, we have to say, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to devote myself. I'm going to give myself. I, I want my life to be like yours was. Which leads to the second part, which is this. I think one thing that we've lost, I have, it was, I was struck by this actually as I was reflecting on this these last couple of weeks, is just this idea of creativity. You know, you know what's awesome about the life of Jesus that when you look at his life of prayer and his life of engagement in the word and his life of community, it's always changing. I mean, think about Jesus in his life. In fact, in our community groups this week, I asked people to ponder this question, and I would ask you to think about this. When you think about Jesus' life and his lifestyle, what do you see? 
I mean, just practically, just in this moment, we see certain pathways and path, practices and pathways, but they're done in different ways. Sometimes Jesus got up really early in the morning to pray. Sometimes he prayed in the middle of the night. Sometimes he slept in. Sometimes he slept when the boat was about to go down in the middle of the ocean. So, I mean, so what do we see? What do we learn about that? We learn that Jesus w- was able to take life slow, that he wasn't freaked out in certain situations. So sometimes he prayed at night, sometimes he prayed in the morning. How did he engage with Scripture? Sometimes he read it on his own and meditated on it. Sometimes he processed it with his disciples. Sometimes he was in the synagogue and he would engage with people on it. He always went to church. I mean, there's these practices of Jesus that we see in his life. Now, what's, what's I think important here is that you know, I don't necessarily want to make this exhaustive list of what it means to take on the lifestyle of Jesus, but I do think there are some foundational pieces to that puzzle. When Jesus says, come to me and learn from me, for their, Scripture is a, is a foundational component of that. Engaging with Scripture, being in prayer is a foundational component of that. Being in community in our lives is a foundational component of that. But what, this is my point in this, here where we are, that what that looks like for each of us might be different. And, and we each need to figure out what that looks like for us. So for me, it wasn't classical music. Like, I, I just, it just didn't, it didn't do it for me. I mean, I wanted to be a piano player, but there was something about classical music that just didn't help me connect with the joy of the music. But then, for me, in December of 1990, and I've shared with you this story, I went to this band concert, and Matt Green was sitting at the piano of the jazz band, and he started playing jazz music, and I was like, I leaned over to mom and I was, my mom, and I was like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. Now, what's important in this metaphor that I'm using this morning is that it was still in the sandbox, right? Like, it was still playing piano, and we still need to be in the sandbox of the gospel. Prayer and the word of God and community are foundational, but we're all so different with the way we engage with God. We need to start thinking about, like, how am I going to put practices in my life where the word is a value, where prayer is a value, where community is a value, and that help me encounter the life that I'm trying to live and can live from. I mean, if if you're the person who started a Bible reading plan for the last 10 years of your life and each year you've never gotten through Genesis, maybe you should stop doing Bible reading plans. I mean, are you you just like, it's like, why do we keep doing these things over and over and over? well, Well, that's what pastors say. Start a Bible reading plan on January 1st. So, okay, let's all do a Bible reading plan. You guys, the Word of God is God's living communication to us. And maybe doing class, some people love Bible reading plans. And they're wired and geared for those. They're the ones who came up with the idea. Those kinds of people. Maybe you need to just pick one passage of Scripture that you sit in for a year. And every day for a year, you just read that. And you put on a little postcard on your vanity. And every day for a year, you just engage with that. I think if we're going to have the life of Jesus, we need to be committed to creatively, like Jesus was, have his lifestyle. And what that means is we're going to need to think about, okay, 
I tried that Bible reading plan thing. I, I know I need God's word in my life. So, but I, that didn't work for me. And so I, I'm going to, I'm not just going to give up on the word of God. I'm, I'm going to think about, okay, Jesus, I want your lifestyle. And I see evident in your life that the word of God was critical to you. So I, I need to figure out how to engage with God's word. Have you ever asked yourself, what can I learn from the lifestyle of Jesus that will help me gauge, engage with his word? That's what I'm inviting you to do. Not, not to learn from me, and we can learn from each other, that's the value of community, but the, the, really what Jesus is saying is come and learn from him. That he needed the, this life in his humanity. And the third thing is this practice. We have to practice. The way we learn, the way we engage with the teacher is that we are, it's, we're going to not do it perfectly. To, 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 for things to become a part of our lives, it's going to take practice and, and making it a part of our life. So, I want to get super practical here with you guys this morning. And, and maybe this, this is not, let's agree, what I'm about to share with you here is not an exhaustive list. But I think there are two categories. And I, I've combined this from some other thinkers and some different things. I mean, this isn't, I'm not making this all up, right? There are kind of two categories of pathways or practices that we need to build as rhythms or routines in our lives if we want to have the lifestyle of Jesus, and what I'm inviting you to, so this is, this, is maybe, this is maybe the hardest thing about being a preacher sometimes is, is that longing for people to really say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear this and I'm going to go do this. And my heart for you in these next few minutes is that you would, you would just pick one thing this week and you would practice it. Just one thing. So I'm going to suggest several here, but I, I just want you to pick one thing that you would say, because of all this that I have in Christ, because of all that I have, from that, I want to engage in the lifestyle of Jesus by building a new practice, or maybe it's growing in a practice in your life, and to pick one of these and think about really engaging with it just this week, just one week. So two pathways, I'm going to call it the pathway of rest and the pathway of engagement. So the first pathway of rest, which includes but is not limited to silence, solitude, fasting, living simply, sacrificing, Sabbath, and, and could be other things as well. But maybe this week you would just, you would just pick one thing where you would say, I'm, I'm going to have some silence in my life, or I'm going to fast for a meal one day this week, or I'm going to give up something that's in my life this week a certain amount of times a day or something like that. So there's a pathway of rest. Like, uh, uh, that we, and again, we see these in Jesus' life, right? He got alone to pray. He got, a, he got alone to be with God. He fasted. He lived incredibly simply. He died with only the clothes on his back. He sacrificed for others. He, he Sabbathed. Examples that we see in Jesus' life that do we should we have all these? Well, yeah, that would be great. But do we have any of these? 
Well, great, then let's just start with one. Let's just start with one. And the other pathway to consider, and I'm, I'm giving you two here. I'd invite you to think about picking from one category or the other. The other kind of more like external ways, or I'll call it pathways of engagement, and they include but are not limited to community, worship, so singing is what I mean there primarily, service, celebration, work. I think work, massive conversation here about how God wants, I mean, Jesus had a job. It was part of the way he worshiped. And I think along with that is building and creating. Like part of the way that I can have the lifestyle of Jesus is to start to think about his kingdom work and building things and creating things for his glory. And maybe this week you would just say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice being in community or practice singing a song in my car every morning or, or, or practice serving. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go somewhere and just use my time for his honor and his glory. And, and think about, again, what we're trying to do is grow in the lifestyle of Jesus in our life. This is what we saw in Jesus' life. All of these things and more were in his life. And he says, come and what? Learn from me. Learn my way of living so this life can be yours. But it's going to take slowing down, being devoted, engaging in creativity with each other and community. And let's be honest. <laughs> this is where the rubber meets the road. In order to engage in the lifestyle of Jesus, we're going to have to change things in our lives. And the biblical language here that's important is filling. So in essence, the way the Bible thinks about this is it's, it basically is saying we're going to empty our lives of patterns and habits and practices that aren't helping us to have the lifestyle of Jesus, but then fill our lives with the, the lifestyles and practices and pathways of Jesus. And the problem is most of us struggle because we don't empty and fill. We either empty, so we're like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop doing this. And then we're like, uh, uh, I'll just start doing it again. You know, because we, we haven't filled, right? Or we do the other thing. We don't empty, and so we just fill in our already crazy, chaotic, hectic lives, and we're like, whew, that's too much work. I'm just going back. Right? And so, so what we have to really think about, this is what we're invited to in Scripture. When it talks about meditation, actually, this is what it means. It's a, not just an emptying. That's kind of an Eastern philosophical way to process things. But to empty ourselves of something and then fill ourselves with something from God, something in him. And so we have to fill, empty, and fill so that we can encounter the life of Jesus. So what I'm asking you guys to do is consider picking one practice to engage. One pathway of rest or one pathway of engagement. And you may already be doing something. You may already have something in your life. Great. Well, can commit to practicing it this week. So let's, super practical. Here's mine. Here's what I'm going to do. I was processing this with Dondra on Friday, and it was clear to her that I need to empty some of my life of my phone. Can I... Can, can you guys join me that some of you would say, yeah, me too? Okay, thank you for the three hands in here. The rest of you, I appreciate that. But, but, but again, this is not just emptying. It's important practice here that we need to learn. Really what I want is I, I want 
a slower life. I, I, and my practice now is I get up every morning, and the very first thing I do is I, my phone's by the side of my bed. I pick it up, and I look, I, I've told you guys, I look at it. And sometimes I'm like, I'll go to the Bible third, right? So, but, you know, like, I still just do this first. And so my, I, I want, what do I want the life, my lifestyle to be like? I know that in Jesus' life, to better live from who I am in Christ, I need to just slow down a little bit. And the best way to do that is maybe to just begin each of my days with some silence. So this week, every morning, I'm going to get up, and I'm, not, I'm actually moving my phone. It's not going to be by the side of my bed. And I'm going to go sit in the living room on the chair, and I'm just going to be silent before God for a few minutes. Because I want to empty myself of my phone, not entirely, God forbid, that I had to get rid of my phone completely, right? But just, just for five minutes, just for five minutes. And start my day with five minutes of silence, emptying of the phone, filling my days with five minutes of silence before God. Just time in the presence of God. There's this great encounter I heard that Mother Teresa had with Dan Rather. And Dan Rather asked Mother Teresa, when you pray to God, what do you say? And Mother Teresa said, I don't say anything. I listen. And Dan Rather, a little bit taken back by that, said, well, what does he say? And Mother Teresa said, he doesn't say anything. He just listens. And if you can't understand that, I can't explain it to you. Now, there's time when we should talk to God, right? Let's not misinterpret what Mother Teresa was saying there. But what she's saying is sometimes we just need to just sit and say, God, you're all I need. I just want to be here. I just want to be by you. It's like, I, I, I think of it like my kids when they were younger and they would say, Dad, can you just, just lay in here with me tonight? Can you just lay here? I just, I just want to know you're here. Not talking, just, just listening, just being here. And, and I think sometimes in, I, in my life, I just need to slow down just a little bit, take a deep breath, start my morning off by saying, God, I'm just going to sit here five minutes, just be in your presence. I'm asking you to hear the call of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary, and learn. Learn from me. Learn from my life. And, and, and to take a practice and, and, and let the reality and the beauty of what I want to grow in your lives. We live in a violent, busy world that wants to create the fruit of chaos in your life. Jesus wants to produce the fruit of rest. And he says, in order to do that, to live from the life I've given you, you need to adopt the lifestyle that I've shown you. I will never forget the day I learned the pentatonic scale. I went home and I sat at the piano for hours because all of a sudden duty turned into devotion and punishment turned into practice 
and a postcard turned into a real experience. And Jesus wants you to have that too. Let's pray. Almighty God, I'm asking you to do the work in this moment. <laughs> help everyone in here. Father, help us not feel the burden of what you're telling us to do, but to hear it as an invitation from Jesus to come and learn. And Father, help us. Help us put aside whatever it is, the duties, the lack of creativity, the the struggle to practice, whatever that is, help us, Father, to just, just find one thing this week that we can engage with you and start to build in our lives the lifestyle of Jesus. Why? Because we want to live from all that we have. So we ask you to come, come help us figure out what that might be today. So we pray that in Jesus' name.